Let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you for this beautiful day and for another time to come here before you, your children, two or three gathered together in your name. There you are in the midst. Help us to be ever so aware of your presence, Lord, knowing that you are here, that you are the chain breaker, the yoke taker. And we thank you, Lord, for loving us and teaching us and growing us in your precious word. Thank you for the anointing. Thank you for using me today, Lord. And for all those who will hear, all of your prayers are heard and answered as well. Just as if you were here with us today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Come to Ephesians 4.11, if you have your Bible. Ephesians chapter 4. If not, I'm just going to read some stuff to you today. Uh, let's see. Ah, had my ribbon there the whole time. <laughs> Something. <laughs> uh, just give you a little format here. Paul had just been writing to the church in Ephesus, and for three chapters he just pours on the beautiful salvation of God, explaining who we are and what we have in Christ, and praying twice in those first three chapters that we would just understand it. Grow in the knowledge, the revelation of what God has already done for us. And what we have in Him and who we are. Amen. Amen. And then the last three chapters, he goes into a how-to. What it looks like to walk it out as a Christian, as the church. Teaching us how to use our spiritual weapons. This was a big thing for me when I came to know the Lord, and I realized all the deception and the tricks the devil had played on me all my life, and how he just used me as his pawn, and all the weapons of my warfare that I knew, <laughs> I had to learn to cast those aside and take up the weapons of God. And that was hard, because I asked him, I said, Lord, I want to, now that I know, I want to fight him, I want to, I want to, I want to be on in your army, you know? I want to get that devil. And he said, well, you have to kenos, you know, empty out. Forget what you think you know about warfare and let me teach you my ways. Chapter 4 of Ephesians, he's talking about unity in the body. And that's, this was Jesus' prayer on his faithful night. Where faithful, where he was arrested but when he was with the uh, disciples after dinner he had prayed and he prayed for unity in the body of Christ and he will have everything he prayed for amen, amen. the real bride of Christ is is coming forth it looks like the world is going to hell and in large part it is not because that's what God wants but because that's what they've chosen and what they're deceived into. But the church will grow ever stronger and more powerful. And it will become adorned as the beautiful bride of Christ. 
with all the gifts of the Spirit, walking in victory and power and love. Amen. Amen. And this is what Jesus did. I'll back up to the, the beginning of the fourth chapter. I, therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling of which you've been called, with all humility and gentleness and patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit, capital S, that's the Holy Spirit, in the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit. I always tell people, when they talk about their different denominational things and different upbringings and this and that, and that's all fine. I say, it doesn't matter. God will, God will save you wherever you're at in spite of your traditions and doctrines of men if you really want him. But when he comes back, he's coming for a bride, not a harem. And so we need to get it together, you know. All of the differences and the divisions in the body of Christ are really the divisions of man and not of, not of God. Amen. Nothing against anyone. But I see when I talk to people that those barriers are coming down. You know how I know? Because they still go to places with a certain name or this and it's a that. But when you ask them what that means, they don't know. And when you talk to them about a relationship with the Lord Jesus, they're very excited about that. So that's a positive thing. I'm encouraged by that. Eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit, there is one body, one Spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call, one Lord, one faith, one baptism. Um, I'll skip over that for now, but that we'll talk about that sometime. One God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in you all. Hello. But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, it says, when he ascended on high... He led a host of captives and he gave gifts to men. He held captivity captive. He had the keys to death, hell, and the grave. He had kicked Satan in the teeth and he gave gifts to men. Now let me tell you, in saying he ascended, what does it mean? But that when he descended into, that he descended into the lower regions, the earth. He who descended is the one who also ascended far above all the heavens that he might fill all things. Read Colossians if you want to see how preeminent Jesus is above and over everything in heaven and on earth and below the earth. He is it. And verse 11. Here's when it says he held captivity captive. We know what that means. Death, hell, and the grave. He beat the devil. And he gave gifts to men. And it's interesting to see what he gave. He gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers, or pastors and teachers. The fivefold ministry is the gift that he gave to the church. To equip the saints to for the work of the ministry. People think, man, I need to I need to get to this this healing preacher. I need to I need to get this friend to the church so the preacher can pray for them. That's all fine and good. Preachers love to pray for people and 
healing evangelists, there are special gifts that travel around and they do see mighty miracles in their setting. But what we're going to learn is that you have the same thing in you that anyone else in the body of Christ does as far as all of the things that you need for this life and for godliness. And all of the things that are part of your inheritance, you need to grow in the knowledge of them so that you can walk in greater victory and power and love. So the ministers, the whole fivefold ministry, is when Jesus left, he turned this over, this little body and all of the other pieces and parts of the body of Christ all over the world, he turned that over to the hands of capable ministers, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers, and all five of those gifts are still in the body. They didn't die out with the original apostles, but they are... For you to build you up, to teach you, to equip you for the work of the ministry. Amen. You're not supposed to leave him at church when you leave here this afternoon to go watch the game. He's supposed to go with you. And you're supposed to be waiting and listening for him for opportunities to tell what he's done for you in your life. That's your best sermon. Amen. To equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for building up the body of Christ, not tearing down, you see. I've known some who thought that they were prophets of God or apostles of God, and that's why they were so uh, hard on everybody, is because they were to bring correction. Let me tell you, they have wrong doctrine. They have wrong understanding of what those gifts are. Amen. Until, and here's why. Here's what it's all for. To build you up, to equip you for the work of the ministry. Until we all all attain to the unity of the faith. Just like Jesus prayed. And of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood. To the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. You are becoming... You are already just like Christ in your born-again spirit. Problem is, the part of us that we know is our soul, our mind and will and emotions. It's a little mixed up. We have to renew it according to the Word and according to the Spirit that is already renewed in us once we receive the Lord Jesus. Amen? Amen. So that, here's why. So that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. This is happening all over the world. You see, I mean, when the, when the world's, um, when the information that the world receives has been taken over by the enemy, they're bombarded constantly with wrong thinking. Wrong teaching, worldly doctrine instead of biblical doctrine. We need a biblical worldview, and we don't need to be ashamed of it. We need to help others to be aware of it. Amen. There is power in the Word. Jesus said, if you're ashamed of me in my word, then I'll be ashamed of you in in front of my Father in heaven and the angels. (laughs) We don't want that. Amen. (laughs) So the ministers are there to prepare you, to help you. You know what I say? I'm just 
I'm just a pointer. I'm just sort of a, a supernatural travel guide, you know, or, or something like that. I guess you can think of it any way you like. But I'm here to teach you to magnify the Lord above your situations and circumstances here in the earth. I'm here to teach you that there's someone that you can't see and things that you have that you aren't quite aware of, maybe, but I need you to understand that you have them and trust in them and trust in Him. It's all about Him and to resist the devil at the same time. Amen. Amen. I'm always going to point you to Jesus. Everything should point you to Jesus. If it's true biblical grace and truth, it should always point to Jesus. I'm not here to build a kingdom unto myself. That is a terrible thing. And I feel sorry for ministers who have been sucked into that. You see, they build it and then the problem is they feel like they have to protect it. (laughs) You know... I don't belong, I belong to Jesus and so do you. I love everybody in the body of Christ, even when I don't feel it. Yesterday I was praying, I told you that the Lord stopped me and had me praying for Kenny. I I also, I always pray for all of you by name and, and then every chance I get, I make a practice of praying for my enemies. Hello. I'm trying to give you a key to free you up, to change your life. Pray for your enemies. You're not going to feel it, a warm, fuzzy feeling toward them. (laughs) It's been years I've been praying for some. And I still have very not good feelings about them. You know what I do with those feelings? I rebuke them in the name of Jesus. And I ask the Holy Spirit and I tell Him, I choose you, Holy Spirit. I choose love. I choose peace. I choose to forgive. I don't go by these feelings. I reject these ungodly feelings. But I'm telling you now that I choose peace and love and forgiveness. And that's good. And it helps you a lot and it's what God wants for you he said that's how you are his children when he says be ye perfect therefore and everybody goes oh therefore as your father in heaven is perfect he's talking about forgiveness when God looks at us it's 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 mostly about our attitudes and relationships you don't care what you do for a living or what you have it just doesn't want it having you. Amen. Doesn't want that to be your God. Jesus is the one who fixes you though. I point you to him. But I'm trying to grow you in your help you grow in your personal relationship with him. He's the one that saves. He's the one that loves and teaches and convicts. What does the Holy Spirit convict you of, by the way? All your sins? No. Unbelief. That's it. It's a very positive ministry that the Holy Spirit has in your life. It's not something you have to run from or be afraid of. He's not angry with you ever. Once you've received Jesus, that's who He sees when He looks at you. But He will do this. 
why aren't you, why aren't you trusting me? Right there. Hello. Hey, why aren't you trusting me? And see, when you're raging and the storms are surging, you can't hear that little whisper. Very seldom does he ever, have I ever heard him raise his voice above this level right here in my heart. But he wants you to know, just like it says in Romans eight thirty seven, that in him you are more than conquerors. Jesus was a conqueror. He, he conquered death, hell, and the grave. He conquered Jesus. I mean, he conquered the devil. He says, you are more than conquerors. They, they told him, Lord, look at the things that these, these miracles and signs and wonders that you're doing. He said, these, these things that I do, you'll do them too. And greater things will you do. Because my father is going to send the Holy Spirit to you. We have a part to play, though, don't we? In 2 Corinthians chapter 10, um, the fifth verse, let me just double check so you don't look it up later and go, that's not what that says at all. <laughs> I do that sometimes. <laughs> Get excited. I go back and listen to my messages, and I'm like, that is not the right scripture I quoted. <laughs> And no one ever says anything, so praise God. I always, I always ask the Lord, just say, anything that's me, that's the flesh, just don't let them hear it. And only let them hear what's you, you know. It's like, it's like eating fish, you know. Just take the flesh and spit out the bones, you know. <laughs> 2 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 5, I believe here, says, oh, I'll back up to 4. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh. Look at that. But have divine power to destroy strongholds. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raising itself against the knowledge of God. And take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. People say, I can't help what, what I think. Yes, you can. I say that often and I want you to, 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 to hear it until you believe it. We can control our thought life. Yes. We don't have to meditate. You're going to meditate on something. It might as well be the promises of God. Amen. Amen. You are more than a conqueror in Christ Jesus. And you're instructed to take every thought captive that comes against the obedience to Christ. That means... If it doesn't line up with what he said, reject it. Call it a lie. Rebuke it for what it is. Because it's coming against you. It's coming against who Jesus is and who you are in him. You see, that's the enemy's goal because he has no power now except what you give him. So if he can trick you out of it, He'll get you to do some creating for Him because now you're a creative being just like your Father in Heaven. So the enemy is going to try to convince you to disqualify yourself from sonship. Daughtership. You see? He wants you to disqualify yourself. He wants you to feel rejected and condemned and bitter and hurt. And He loves all... Those are all His characteristics, you see? That's how he feels about God. And he wants you to rage with him. Come on, entertain it. 
Come on, get mad. That's him. But see, your anger is supposed to be toward him. Not in agreement with him, not, not toward people. There's some ugly things that people do. And you don't have to like it. You're never going to like it. You're supposed to... The fear of the Lord is to hate evil. So, when he says to forgive and to love everyone, he's not telling you to love evil or love the things that they've done. He's just saying, give it to me. Cast your cares on the Lord, for he cares for you. And then you can walk in peace. That sonship that the enemy wants you to cast aside and not believe is where you receive some things. That's where you get to all the promises of God. All the promises in this book. What's that mean anyway? Everything that Jesus died to provide you with and everything He's ever done good for anybody in this book, the answer for you is yes and amen. If He did it for one, He'll do it for you. He's no respecter of persons. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Amen. So don't let the enemy cheat you out of your promises, out of the fact that you are loved dearly by God. Second Peter chapter 1, just read that when you get a chance. But verses 3 and 4, it talks about how these all, all things pertaining to life, this life and godliness, have been given to you already. And the way that we get them is through the promises. Read first, Second Peter chapter 1 and you'll see what I'm talking about. He wants to talk you out of your peace. Jesus gave us His own peace in John 14, 27 as a gift. And He said, I'll never take it away. But let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. There's our part. He wants to talk you out of joy. All of the fruit of the Spirit is yours for the taking For the practicing. Peace, love, and joy. All all that you'll ever need. It's already in you. Full blown and full grown. He wants to talk you out of your authority. Jesus has given us great authority. Over the works of the devil. He has no power over you. Except what you give him. You need to learn, learn how to walk in power and authority. And we will. And you need to learn about the weapons of your warfare. Just right there where we started out in Ephesians, go to the 6th chapter and he'll talk about you. All the armor of God. There's only one offensive weapon in the list. They're all, the rest are all protective armor. Amen. And there's nothing for your back. Jesus is not a coward. And he doesn't want you to be afraid either. Because he said he'll never leave you or forsake you. If you were on your own, you'd be no match for the devil. But you're not on your own. Amen? Amen. He wants to talk you out of freedom. You're free from all the curses. You could go over to Deuteronomy chapter 28 and see all the blessings and curses. We'll just take the blessings and claim them. All the curses... Say, thank you, Jesus, that you bore all these on your body on the tree. And I'm redeemed from the curse. Anything in those lists of curses? Oh, cool. I'm free from that and that and that. Oh, that was trying to... Oh, even some mildew in my house. Get out in the name of Jesus. (laughs) It's one of them. (laughs) 
Because if he can talk you out of your sonship, then he'll talk you out of your ambassadorship. They go hand in hand. And God wants you to grow up and be confident in the love that he has for you and the provision he's made for you. So that what? So that once you're helped, healed, empowered, loved, and prospered, you can do it for others. Amen? So as an ambassador, you are the one who goes and tells people about him. You lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. Amen? You can help them to be healed in other ways too. We know that there's a lot more than just the physical that gets hurt, right? Amen. You can be a blessing. We're blessed to be a blessing. You need to learn how to walk in that. Learn the law of sowing and reaping. God has a plan for finances in your life. He's a God of multiplication. Everything's in seed form. If you want something to grow, how do you make a seed grow? You plant it. <laughs> you have to sow it, though. You have to turn it loose from your hand, but you're not, you're not letting it... You're not, it's not out of your life. It's just sown into your future. And it's going to be multiplied back to you if you sow with expectancy. It's a law that God said will be here as long as this world is here. And so take advantage of it. I've had people that say, Oh, I'm fine. He's done more than enough for me. I had a guy tell me this. I, 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 I preached to all my customers at work. It just happened. We have a good time. But a guy told me that the other day. He was saying that uh, he was talking about how his financial problems and this and that and physical. And, and uh, you know, I said, you know, God's in the healing business. God's in the prospering business. And he says, well, I, I believe that. He goes, but I'm saving I'm saving all that because I have a 14-year-old girl, daughter, and I think uh, I'm going to save what I watch what I ask for because it's going to take everything he has to help her. We know that teenage girls. Can... He says she thinks she knows everything. I said, join the club, buddy. Everybody that's ever known a teenage girl, they go through a minute of that. I said, I've got one that was, whoa, she was something. Now she's amazing. Don't you know, girls grow up and they take care of you. They don't run off like the boys do. (laughs) (laughs) I said, so you you think you have to just be very careful because you only get like three wishes, like he's a genie in the bottle or something? Or you think that he's... He's pretty powerful, but, uh, you know, if you ask for everything that you're talking about all at once, and he granted all that, the lights in heaven would dim, right? (laughs) No, I said, that's what you sound like. That's your problem. And anyway, I I didn't want to push it too far. He's a customer, future customer, potential customer. Amen. (laughs) Later on, I'll share that with him when I go to collect for the job. No, he's a good guy. And I hope I helped him in some way because it's true. It's true for all of us. It's like I said last week about the same truths apply to everyone. There's no gap. I mean, there's differences in everybody. Everybody's created different. There's age difference. There's no real gap. All the same needs and principles apply. God's truth is God's truth and that's it. But you need to know not only 
who you are and what you have, but you need to know that the blood of Jesus is priceless. That's the most valuable substance that was ever in this earth. One drop of the blood of Jesus Christ, more valuable than the rest of the world combined, much less all the silver and gold and stuff like that. Amen? Amen. And how do we gauge something's value? By the price that someone's willing to pay for it, right? So how do we value you and me? If that most priceless substance was used to purchase you. You're pretty valuable then, aren't you? You need to know that. Colossians 1.27 talks about the fact that God had a secret. All these Old Testament saints that they list in the Bible, they were all believing for something. They were longing for the day. These great prophets of the Old Testament, longing for the opportunity just to see something that they knew was coming. This great gift that God had, this great plan of redemption, this great Savior, something that we have living inside of us. They died longing for. And now, what was once a mystery of God has been revealed. And it was Jesus Christ. And now, is, according to Colossians 1.27, Christ in you, the hope of glory. To me, that is amazing. It's wonderful. And it's something that is just, we need to meditate on it. We need to grow in it. We need to believe it and understand it because we can grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Everybody loves the grace of God. I mean, by grace, we were saved through faith. By grace, you were healed. You were prospered. All of the good things come through grace. Now, if that can be multiplied through the knowledge of Jesus Christ, then don't we need to get after it? Christ in you, the hope of glory. We need to repent of wrong doctrine, of wrong thinking, of wrong ways. Yes. That old man needs to be thrown away. And we need to take up the new and practice walking in that new skin. Amen. It's uncomfortable sometimes. I remember when we came to the Lord, I'd been walking with the devil for so long, it was really awkward to, to try to talk about Jesus or pray in, uh, in our family. They were like, you know, and all the relatives and old friends, you know, especially the relatives. Oh, yeah. What would what, he do to get in so much trouble that he must be running to God to try to get out of trouble? You know, that jailhouse repentance. Yeah, that's fine. That's what people think for a while, but after a while they have to admit, hey, <laughs> especially when they, when there's visible and physical manifestations. 
But along with all those changes that God asks us to make, we need to begin to, talking about sowing and reaping, we need to learn to reap what Jesus has sown. That is the number one benefit, besides eternity with Him, to our salvation in this world. We can reap the harvest of everything, all the seed that Jesus has sown. Listen, did this. And now, if we go to God and repent of our sins, confess our sins, you don't have to go into a little uh, booth at a church and tell a man anything. You go to God, confess your sins to Him, repent. He's faithful and just to forgive you. So now as a Christian, not only can you believe for, to receive all of the gifts, that the, the harvest from what Christ has sown, but also you can believe for crop failure for all the bad seed that you've sown. How about that? You know, that's, I was going to say, how about them apples? <laughs> Charlie, Michelle, God bless you. So we can believe for a crop of harvest of everything that Christ has sown. We can believe for crop failure for all the bad things that we've sown. And we can begin to sow good seed everywhere that we go. Because now we've been equipped. We've been freed from sin. We have nothing compelling us to continue sowing bad seed. It's a choice. We can sin with the best of them if we want to. But prayerfully, realizing who we are and what we have in Christ, it will compel us to want to be more and more like Him, which is the goal. Glory to glory, we are becoming more and more like Him. And our born-again spirit, we're already like Him. We have the mind of Christ. We have been freed from the curse of the law of sin and death. Amen. But now as we grow in the grace and knowledge of the Lord through His Scriptures and through His life in, in these pages here and with the help and guidance of that that Holy Spirit who has been sent when we see him we will be like him and we will not be ashamed one more thing and then I'm going to close if you turn to Matthew chapter 7 for a moment please This just kind of solidifies everything we've been talking about this morning. Matthew chapter 7. Look at the 24th verse. No, back up to 21. I hate to hit you with this part, but it but then we'll end on a good note. Amen. <laughs> Because this, this starting at verse 21 was one of the hardest things. It hit me right between the eyes when I first read it. And it shows you the gravity of the situation. Amen? Not everyone, this is Jesus speaking. Way better than E.F. Hutton. So listen up. I don't know if y'all remember those commercials. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. But the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, 
Judgment Day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do mighty works in your name? And then will I declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness or iniquity. I never knew you. Now, when I saw that for the first time, I was like, these people are out there preaching. They're prophesying in your name. They're healing people in the streets in your name. They just called you Lord, Lord. And he said, I don't know you. And they went to hell. Does that get your attention? What do you think the problem was there? What is it that I just told you when we started out? What, what am I always going to point you to? What is the fivefold ministry, the gift that Jesus gave when he ascended to the church? What are we here to do? All the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and the teachers. Not to draw you unto ourselves, to build a kingdom unto ourselves, but to point you to Jesus. To help you to build a strong and vibrant, personal, intimate relationship with Jesus Christ. These were religious folks. They had never entered into that relationship with Jesus Christ. That is the meaning of life. John 17, 3, Jesus was praying on that fateful night again. It was so odd to me when I first saw this. He was praying and, and he said, this is eternal life. Like he, he's, 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 he's praying to the Father and then he has to stop and explain to him what eternal life means. And I'm like, what? And he said, no, silly, that was for you. This is eternal life, that they know you, the one true God, and your Son, Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. That's it. That's the meaning of eternal life. That's the substance of eternal life. It's not something we're waiting to get to heaven for. You enter into eternal life the moment that He enters into you. Hallelujah. John the Baptist says, I baptize you with water, but one is coming after me who will baptize you with fire and with the Holy Ghost. Now, Jesus... You are drawn, the Father draws you, and you're baptized into Jesus. And then, if you haven't received it yet, you need to do what John said Jesus was going to do. He's going to baptize you with fire and with the Holy Ghost. That's another baptism that you need. If you don't have it, you need it. Amen. Amen. Don't be scared. I remember being. I remember saying, "I'm not doing that." That is not of God. And, I, and they said, "Okay." Well, two days later, <laughs> Hallelujah! Let me get to where I was going. Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built. That his house on the rock. Who's the rock? Jesus. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house. But it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. Build your life on the rock. Build your life on 
the life and principles and teachings and promises of God. Amen? Amen. Look at this guy. And everyone who hears these words, this is verse 26 of mine, and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat against that house and it fell and great was the fall of it. Now listen. Notice one thing. Both of those builders built the house. You're building your house anyway. That's your life. The house he's talking about. They both went to the effort of building a house. Probably harder to build it on the sand than the one that took a little more time to get down to the bedrock. Maybe a little easier. Maybe a little careless. Maybe a little little less thoughtful of his future and his purpose and his life. The only difference really... Except one stood strong and the other blew away quickly. We need to build our lives on the foundation. The only one. Jesus said, they said the, the, the cornerstone, the stone that the, that the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. He's it. He's it. Our daily bread. We need to get into the word And absorb it until it absorbs us. Amen. You can get so full of the truth that you won't be able to stand the lie. And that's where we want to be. Get in the word. Learn about his love and his promises for you every day. Spend some time with him. If you sow that first fruits of your day. To the kingdom of God and to your relationship with Jesus, the harvest is going to be unbelievable. It'll change your life. Don't look at it as a work or something to check off. Look at it as something to look forward to. There's an evangelist named Todd White, and he's, he's a cool guy. He was he was. Were you guys in Colorado recently when he was up there? Anyway, they they. Uh, they brought a little baby, a little dead baby up to the stage and just brought him back to life, you know. Not unusual for... Charlie's probably seen things like that. He's, he's gone all over the world. This is a great friend of mine. He's an evangelist. He travels all over the world. He's seen amazing things. It shouldn't be unusual. When the, when the disciples came back and said, even the demons listen to us, he said, so? Basically, I paraphrase. He said, so what? That's nothing. The greater miracle is that your name is written in the book of life. Right. Rejoice about that. And quit being surprised at the other things. All things pertaining to life and godliness have been given to you. Jesus has given you authority over all the works of the devil. And you need to learn how to walk in that victory and power and authority. Because it's the unbelief that we have. And I believe, Lord, help thou my unbelief. That's where most of us are. And it's like a spiritual tug of war, you know. And we want to make progress. We don't want to be stuck or go in reverse. Amen. Amen. What's that saying? 
John F. Kennedy said it, I think also uh, some other great men have said it, but it wasn't their original quote. But it said, all, all that it takes for evil to prevail is for good men to say nothing. We've come to a place in our culture and in world history where a biblical worldview is more important than ever. Our kids, they're, they're out there celebrating suicide. There are websites that do that now. They're convincing these young, beautiful children with a, a life ahead of them that they're going to be dead in 10 years anyway. It's a lie. Perpetuated by the devil. Listen, we, we can't control the weather. That's the arrogance of man. There's always been climate change and fluctuations. The point is, when this earth is destroyed, it's, not, it's going to be by God, but not by man. But see, when you don't have a God, you're left to your own devices, your own thinking, the wisdom of man, and it's always going to lead you astray. Jeremiah said, it's not within man to direct his own steps. I've, I've come to know that, God. He was so wise to say that, and he's right. Just a little bit of leaven. See, the enemy, he'll give you a lot of truth sometimes, and then just, just a little, just like he did in the garden. Can I give you one more scripture and close? James 1. James 1. I'll, I'll back up to the 19th verse because I'm trying to start at the 22nd. I always like to go back a little bit. Know this, my beloved brothers. We find treasures that way. Let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. Here we go. But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently into his natural, at his natural face in a mirror... For he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he was like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. We have a part to play. There's a relationship. Like Tavon always says, faith has feet and lips. And we need to guard these. Speak life. Speak blessing. You're creative beings. Out of the abundance of the heart, though, the mouth is going to speak. So you've got to get your heart right. And this is where it starts. And every time you go to pray, take this with you. And speak to the Holy Spirit. He's a person. He's beautiful. He's here to help you. He's the paraclete, the one that comes alongside and walks with you together through this life. We'll look at Genesis, I think it's chapter 17 sometime. It's a, it's a self-portrait of the author of this book. 
Amen. You need to know these things. To know who you are and what you have in Christ so the devil can't talk you out of your sonship or your ambassadorship. You need to know that you are valuable because the most precious commodity that ever existed in this world, the blood of Jesus, was the price paid for you. So that's your value. And it's not just about knowing things. Remember last week I said, if, if, if you know what you know, it's only going to take you so far in times of hardship. Paul said, I know who I have believed. So it's not good enough to know what you believe. It needs to be a who you believe. You need to have a best friend in Christ Jesus. That's what he wants from you. He loves you and you need to know it. Because that love, a revelation of that love is what's going to compel you to love him. Don't try to love him more. Try to learn more about his love for you. It'll compel you to love him. Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this beautiful day. Thank you for your love, your word, your guidance, your truth, your peace. Thank you for growing us up discipling us in your word that we can be helped, healed everywhere we hurt, empowered by your word, your truth, your promises. Have greater revelation of your love for us and to be prospered in every way. We thank you, Lord, for helping us to receive this help that we may help others with the same help that we have received. Please, Father, hear our prayer. Use us and teach us let not the devil steal this word from our hearts. Your word teaches us that he'll come immediately to try and steal this word from us. We won't, we won't allow him. Allow this word to take root and bear fruit in our lives. We thank you, Lord. We love you. We thank you for loving us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Amen.